Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good to see you here today as we celebrate not only our anniversary that's coming up as a church, but changes that are taking place and knowing that no matter what is going on in this world, his truth endures to all generations, and the Lord is good. As Julie opened the service this morning, she talked about the first time that our founding pastor read the Word of God, picked up a Bible, not even knowing what it was, but found in it the words that would change the direction of her life and really change the direction of all of our lives as well. Because the Word of God is powerful, and the Word of God changes lives. And the Bible became not only an important source of information to her, it became the, the book that would guide her life all the days of her life. I have up here, and you'll see it if you come up after the end of the service right here, uh, is one of her Bibles. If you see, I will put up on the screen a, a, one of the pages that show you how she used her Bible. This Bible is from 1938. It's obviously not the first Bible she ever used, but it is one of the early ones. It was given to her as a gift, and the Bible would become a book that she would use not only to read at home every day, uh, because obviously she read it a lot, but it would become the way that she would preach. She always preached from her Bible. She didn't make notes the way we do today. You'll see how much she wrote all over her Bible and different pages she would write headings. They're a little hard to read today because the ink is kind of smeared and you know it's been a while since they were written. But she would just hold the Bible and preach from it this way. That was her style because it was the life-changing Word of God. And as you look through her Bible and as you see the notes that she wrote down, you see a little bit of the kind of sermons she would craft and, and where she would go with it. Because the Word of God to her was the most precious gift a person could ever have. And so she always had a Bible in her hand and always had it with her. Today we begin a series we're calling His Truth Endures to All Generations because that truth is indeed found in the Word of God in our Bibles. The truth of the Word of God has been really the truth uh, for over 2,000 years it has guided the church. But it certainly has guided this church for over 82 years. If you count the several years before this church even began that the Lord was leading her, it's been almost 90 years now that the truth of the Word of God has been leading this congregation. She followed it because she believed it. For her, the Bible contained truth. And so for her, if it, the Bible said it, then we ought to do it. Because what would be the point of reading it if you're not actually going to do it? And so she would write in, in that series that we've already heard from this morning, words like this. This is the way she felt about the Bible. She says, I felt with great firmness that the Bible was the one standard of faith for all Christians. That meant that she thought if it was in the Bible, all Christians should believe the same thing. 
Coming from a Catholic background, Catholics all believed the same thing. It didn't matter which Catholic church you went to. It was basically the same doctrine and the same style of service. She just assumed that the Protestant churches were the same way, that you could go to any Protestant church and they'd all be the same and they'd all teach the same thing. It was a real revelation for her when she found out that wasn't exactly true, that they all had a different way of looking at Scripture. But for her, it didn't matter what the different denominations thought. It was what was in the Word of God. What did it say? So she said, I found salvation in the Bible, a genuine experience with the Spirit witnessing with one's own spirit that one became a child of God. I also saw divine healing. For it says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I saw the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For Peter says, this is for you and your children, and as many as are far off, as many as the Lord thy God will call. I saw the second coming of the Lord. For it says, this same Jesus that you see will go in like manner, shall return in like manner. So my face was set to declare the whole counsel of God. And that declaration that truth is found in the word of God is still the same declaration and truth that we declare generation after generation. See, to know that the word of God is true takes faith. I guess that's really kind of the definition of faith, that you know where truth is found. And our faith is found in Jesus Christ because he is the source of truth. He is where we find salvation. He is where we find the change in our life that is needed because his truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, is found in the word of God. And it's that truth that endures through every generation. So it doesn't matter if the culture changes. It doesn't matter if our technology changes and the way we do things may be a little bit different. God's word is always the same. And the truth that is found in that word never changes. And faith comes as we believe that what God says, what Jesus Christ came to do is true. And when we believe it is true and have the faith to know that our faith is in the truth of Jesus Christ, then we have a life-changing road ahead of us because he will guide and direct our steps. So what does it mean to have faith? How do we know if our faith is in the right place and our faith is strong enough to get us through all of the different trials of life? That's what I want to talk about this morning, faith. And to do that, we go to a scripture that's found in Matthew 17. As Jesus is talking to his disciples, and a situation has come before the disciples that they were not able to handle, as a man brought his child to be delivered and set free of the demon that had controlled the child, and they weren't able to do it. So starting in verse 14, it reads this way. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. 
And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to him, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, the disciples were indeed people of faith. They actually had exhibited their faith already because, as they said elsewhere, they left everything to follow Jesus. When they realized what Jesus was doing in his ministry, they wanted to be a part of it. And they had faith that he was indeed the Messiah and that he would be able to do all that had been prophesied before that he would do. And they put their faith in him. And Jesus had already sent them out. They had already preached the message of who Jesus was. They had already seen people healed. They had already been able to cast out demons. This was not anything unusual for them. They already had the faith to believe it would happen. And in fact, it already had happened. But this time, there was something different about the situation. And for some reason, their prayers didn't work the way that they had worked on other occasions that they had prayed for uh, this kind of relief. And so the man had to bring his boy to Jesus. And Jesus, of course, was able to cast out the demon, but the disciples were confused. Why, when it worked before, was it not working now? What happened that they couldn't do what they had previously done? And so they asked Jesus the question, and he said, it's because they really didn't believe that it could be done. They had unbelief. Now, I don't know if there was something different about this boy than the other ones. If, if you read the account in Luke, it does say that he threw himself down and he exhibited all kinds of uh, actions that uh, were very unusual and maybe that just intimidated them and they saw the power of Satan there and somehow didn't think that they could pray and it would happen. It doesn't really explain what happened. But for some reason, they didn't have the faith to believe that they could pray for this boy and that the demon would come out of him. And so when they asked about faith, they said, you know, what kind of faith do we need? What are you talking about? We don't have enough faith. And Jesus said, you need to have faith like a mustard seed. And if you would have mustard seed faith, you would be able to do the impossible. Now, what does it mean that they they needed mustard seed faith? Because sometimes when we look at this story and we talk about mustard seeds, one of the things we always focus on with a mustard seed is the size of it. How many know how big a mustard seed is? Is it big? No, it's, it's little. It's very little. It's tiny. And so we always talk about how tiny a mustard seed is. And so... We, we tend to think that if we would have faith just as tiny as a mustard seed, that we'd be able to do anything. But you know, if our faith is only as big as a mustard seed, how much faith is that actually? You know, that's not very much faith, because that's kind of tiny faith. 
Now, the disciples already had faith. They had faith to follow Jesus. They had faith to pray. They had seen miracles done. They already have faith. But if the faith they have is even less than the size of a mustard seed, well, good heavens, how much faith do you actually need? Because they had, I think, a pretty, pretty good amount of faith. They really knew who Jesus was. They believed in him. But if that faith compared to a mustard seed was so little, what does that say about us? Because we don't tend to do even a tenth as much as the disciples did. Because I don't think when Jesus was talking about mustard seeds, he was really talking about the size of it. At least not per se. He was using the size of it to make a comparison. But he isn't saying your faith is the size of a mustard seed. Your faith should be like a mustard seed, he said. So what is a mustard seed like? We know it's small, but you know, as small as it is, it packs a really big wallop. Because you know what a mustard seed is? It's hot. Do you ever bite one? Do you ever put a whole bunch of mustard seeds in your mouth? I think not. Why haven't you done that? Because you know what happens if you put a whole bunch of them in your mouth? You're going to start to cry. Because they're hot. Do you ever, like, we don't get mustard seeds too much that way anymore because we usually just buy mustard. And it's already always all fixed for us. But you ever put pepper flakes on something? Little tiny pepper flakes? What happens when you get one of those stuck on your tongue? You wish you hadn't put so many pepper flakes on what you're eating. Because they may be little and tiny, but boy, do they pack a wallop if you put too many on. A couple weeks ago, I had wasabi. Have you ever had that? You don't need a whole jar of wasabi when you're eating something. How much do you need? Little tiny bit. Because if you put on too much, what's going to happen? you wish you hadn't done it because it packs a wallop. It is hot. See, it makes an impression. And a mustard seed makes an impression because it's a spice. It's something that'll spice things up and it'll be hot. But when Jesus talked about mustard seeds elsewhere, he didn't just talk about that they were hot. He said they they grow at a, a ridiculous rate from this little tiny seed They become a huge bush, even a big tree, because they bear so much more than you would ever think just by looking at this tiny little seed. Because even though it's small, even though it's tiny, boy, does it accomplish a lot. Jesus said it would even get so big that birds would make their nests in its branches because the growth of a mustard seed is just phenomenal. So it's a very powerful seed. And it accomplishes more than anything you would ever think just by looking at it. And so that's the kind of faith Jesus is talking about. He's saying you need faith that things can happen that you never thought would happen from the small beginnings that we tend to start with. See, he said, mustard seed faith will actually move mountains. In other words, it will do the impossible. It will do what nobody thinks can be done. Because if you have the faith of a mustard seed, 
you can do what is impossible in the kingdom of God. Jesus was always talking about faith and comparing mustard seed faith really to little faith. He was always chiding his disciples or different people that would come to him about their little faith. And then he would bless people for their great faith. And great faith was always those who actually believed that Jesus could do the impossible. Those that would bring someone like this story that needed a deliverance. And the father had absolute faith, absolute belief that Jesus could do the impossible. He could take the demon out of the boy. Healings would come through Jesus because the person would come knowing that Jesus could do the impossible and he could heal what nobody else would be able to heal. But he also talked about little faith. And little faith always meant that you really didn't believe the impossible could happen. Little faith believes in salvation. Little faith knows that Jesus gives us eternal life. Little faith knows that heaven is secure when we put ourselves in his hands. But that's about all little faith really believes. Because little faith doesn't really believe that the impossible can happen. Jesus talked about it a lot. In Matthew 6.30, he talks about little faith exhibited in the worries that we have for the future. He says, even if the lilies of the field, I take care of them, why can't you believe I'd take care of you? But whenever you're worried, whenever you're upset, whenever you're having to fix the future, because if you don't do it, no one else will, that means you're a person of little faith. In Matthew eight twenty six, he says, little faith is always focused on the storm. When they were out on the boat and ready to sink, they started calling on Jesus because they realized the storm was too great. And they didn't have the faith to believe that Jesus could calm a storm. They just didn't think that kind of impossible action could ever really happen. In Matthew fourteen thirty one, he says that little faith always has doubts. That's when Peter starts out walking on the water. But the minute he started looking at the water, he doubted he could still do it, and then he began to sink. Because if you're always doubting that it can't be done, and you're always sure it could never be done, then you got little faith, not mustard seed faith. Matthew 16, 8, he talks about little faith not understanding that what you don't have, God can supply. It was the bread for the loaves and fishes. And they didn't believe that Jesus could keep doing what he had just done with the loaves and fishes and supply all their needs. So they kept focusing on what they didn't have. They didn't have enough. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. Because that's what little faith does. It focuses on what we don't have rather than what we do have. But see, mustard seed faith is different. It focuses on the impossible. It focuses on what can be done, not because of what we do, but by what Jesus Christ does. And so the disciples would be changed into people of great faith. They would understand what it meant to have mustard seed faith as they began to spread the gospel through the whole world. Because these people, who were just ordinary people, without any real backing behind them, 
actually changed the whole world because they had faith to believe God could do the impossible. And when he told them to go out there and tell the world about the gospel of Jesus Christ, they believed that if they did that, God would save and change lives. And that's exactly what happened. And they changed a pagan society into a Christian one because they believed the impossible could happen, and they saw it take place. They saw healings and deliverances accompany their message everywhere they went because they believed in the power of the Holy Spirit to heal, the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver, the power of the Holy Spirit to save. And because they knew that the Holy Spirit was working through them, they knew nothing was impossible. No sickness was beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. And that the Holy Spirit working through them could do the impossible if they just had the faith to believe it. The Holy Spirit would fill not only the disciples, but all their followers and all the churches, as they believed that it was for everyone. And they sought it, and they received it, because they believed and had the faith to know God could do the impossible. He could not only save a person from their sins, he could fill them with the Holy Spirit and set them on a chart in a course that they never would have been on before because of who he was. And they could even face death and persecution without fear because they knew where they were going because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, they knew the resurrection was impossible. They knew coming back from the dead was not something that anyone ever did. But they knew Jesus had conquered death. And that meant death didn't hold any fear for them again because they knew that a place awaited them. And nothing on this earth could keep them from being where God wanted them to be. See, that's the kind of faith Jesus was talking about. Faith like a mustard seed. In other words, faith that can make a difference and isn't afraid to step out and do what God calls you to do because you know that if he's in it, it can be done. That's really the story of our church. As we talked this morning about our founder, She was one who personified mustard seed faith. Because once she met Jesus Christ, she knew that he was the answer for every problem they had in their generation. And that if people would just believe that, things would happen and they wouldn't have to worry anymore. When she felt that the Lord wanted her to begin a Sunday school and teach, she saw the storefront building that she thought the Lord wanted her to have. But it was impossible to get that building. Because this was 1934, it was in the middle of the Depression, and nobody had any money. And the owner wanted $30 a month in order for her to have Sunday school there. $30 a month might have been, as well, $30,000 a month. They didn't have it. But she knew the Lord had said, that's where you need to start. And so she had faith for the impossible. And so she and just a few of her friends there that were getting ready to start with her just said, Lord, we'll put all of our change into a jar for one month. That meant whenever they went to the store, if, if it would cost you know, 
38 and they got some change back from $2, they would put that change into the jar. And if the Lord would do the impossible, at the end of the month they would count what was in that jar and then they would see if they had the $30. They would not count it, they wouldn't touch it until the end of the month. When they counted it, they had $30.12 because God did the impossible and gave them what they needed for that building. Because if God is in it, it'll be done. They didn't have any advertising money. They didn't put up an ad or call anybody to come. And that first morning, they didn't know if anybody would show up. But when they got there, there were people there. They didn't have any chairs. They didn't have any hymnals. They didn't have anything because they got the building, but they didn't have anything else. They were just going to sit on the floor or just stand up. But just as they're getting ready to start, somebody arrived at the door with a truck. And a church up the street had heard about them and had sent some chairs, had sent some old hymnals. And the Lord provided. And that was the beginning. Because he stepped in to do the impossible when it seemed like it could never happen. In the middle of the Depression, they needed to do and help those caught in the Depression, those without jobs, those without food, those that didn't have anything. But how do you feed, how do you help people when you don't have anything yourself, when you don't really have enough to give away? But she had read in the Bible, it's how you take care of the poor that God notices. And she realized there were people poorer than her, even though by today's standards they were considered poor. But they went around, they asked people, they collected clothes, they collected extra food, they would pass it out at the church. They started a shoe, shine, uh, shoe repair shop in order to not only fix the shoes of the people that couldn't afford to have them fixed and they were wearing out, but also to those who could afford to pay that, that brought money in. And she would write later that she always considered it a privilege from God's hand that he entrusted her with poor people because poor people are precious to God and that he would entrust those people into your hands and let you influence their lives was to her a sign of God's goodness and grace. He did the impossible. The next building they wanted, a portable building, she felt the Lord told her to go see a red-headed man and he would buy it for her. Now that's kind of impossible because he wasn't even saved. But she knew if the Lord was in it, he would do the impossible. And sure enough, that happened. He bought the building. When he found out she didn't have any lots to put it on, he bought the lots too. And he church grew because she always believed if the Lord was in it he could do the impossible her husband needed to be saved genuinely saved and that hadn't happened and he was dying dying to the point that the doctor said call in the family he won't live through the night but she knew God had said he would be saved and he could not die if he hadn't been saved because he had to be alive in order to get saved so she said to the doctor, finally, he's not going to die because he's not saved yet. The doctor said, he's going to die. You need to call, call the family in. She goes, no, he's not going to die. And he, when he came to enough to know what was going on, she told him he needed to get saved, and he did. He got saved and healed. 
And he was never the same again either. Lived for a lot of years after that because she believed the impossible. They had a church where people could come and healings would take place, deliverances would take place, salvations would take place, all because they understood God could do the impossible and that he could break the chains of whatever sin had bound people because there is no sin that is too hard for God that he can't forgive and release you from. And there's no sickness you can have that God cannot cure, even when the doctors say there is no cure. All these things happen because she believed that if Jesus Christ was in it, he would do the impossible. And she had that kind of faith. She had mustard seed faith. The church would meet constantly in prayer meetings. They had prayer meetings every day. People would come and pray. People would come to worship. It became a very worshiping church, a praying church, because they understood if they were going to be people that could do the impossible, they had to stay connected to Christ. They had to know the Holy Spirit was working in their lives and in the lives of the church. And their faith was infectious. People began to come. People began to get delivered, saved, and healed. And they wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And so again, it began to grow. Because mustard seed faith always grows. And it began to affect people that others said it was impossible for them to be changed. That's our heritage. And that's the challenge we have before us today. What kind of congregation do we want to be? Do we want to be congregation of little faith or do we want to be a congregation of mustard seed faith? Because, boy, is it easy to just sit back and become little faith people, to lose the vision of the impossible, to settle for just what we see, because it's so much easier to do it that way. Uh, you don't have to face impossible situations. You don't have to be disappointed. Uh, you, it's just so much easier to, to run your life the way you want to. And, and so not only has our culture, but too often the church across America has put their faith in everything but Jesus Christ. And we've become people of little faith. We settle for salvations. We settle for People to have eternal life, and that's a good thing. We should always do that. But we can do so much more than that if we have faith for the impossible and don't settle for little faith. But too many people today, their faith is in everything but Jesus. Our faith is in the economy. We will always have a job. We'll always have enough money. Uh, Somehow, uh, we'll always make it through. And even though our economy has been shaken and we see really quick how fast it can fall, well, it fixed itself back. We have that great uh, ability to think the economy can do the impossible. It will always rebound. You might not get the job you want, but you always have a job. But you put your faith in the economy. The economy can't do the impossible, and it is going down. We don't see great healings anymore because most of our faith is in doctors. And they are great. They do some marvelous things today that they never used to do. But they have their limits. And when it gets to the point where they can't do anymore, 
And only an impossible intervention, only a miracle can bring about a healing. Too often we just look at it and say, well, it's impossible. That sickness can't be healed. The doctors can't do anything about it. They just send you home to die. And too often we just sit back and die. Because we don't really believe that God can do the impossible. And so we settle for little faith. Some people put their faith in politics, thinking all the problems of the country can be solved if we just elect the right person. Good luck on that one this year. You're going to see. It's going to take the impossible to get elected officials that God wants. See, Jesus Christ can do the impossible. But it takes faith in him that says, I want all that the Lord has for me. And I don't want to settle for just a life where we go through it so comfortable. We go through it without any real challenges. Because really, we, we just like our comfort zones. Because it's so easy to become a person of little faith. So easy to sit back and say, well, you know, things aren't really that bad. I'm doing okay, so, you know... I'll pray for people that need more help, but that's, you know, not a lot of prayer, but, you know, when I think about it. Because we're like those people Jesus talked about. You know you're a person of little faith if you worry all the time. You're worried about everything because you're worried about the future, and you have to take care of the future. I see it in parents all the time. They're so worried about what's going to happen to their kids that they have to do everything to ensure that those kids are happy or successful or whatever it is they think their kids ought to be, instead of letting the Lord make them into what he wants them to be. Because if you start worrying about everything, the future is going to be a very scary place because we don't know what the future holds. People hanging on to jobs that they know they should change just because They know they need the job security because they don't think God can supply if they step out in faith to do something else. When you worry about the future, you haven't yet learned mustard seed faith that God can do the impossible. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by storms, as Jesus said, and our faith just suddenly goes down to little faith because our focus is on the storm instead of Jesus Christ. And so sickness comes, and it isn't curable, and it isn't something that we can change. And so we get focused on the sickness and what's not happening. And we don't even really believe that God can do anything different. We don't believe the impossible, because everybody says, this won't change. You see it in marriage, in problems of the family. People ready to divorce because they honestly don't believe that God can do the impossible that he can restore your marriage, that he can put your family back together, that he can bring a healing and you can live a different life. But too often we settle and say, I don't think the Lord is ever going to change my situation. I, I just don't see it happening. I've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing's happened. You don't believe in the impossible. You still have the doubts. And then the doubts we have in ourselves. You know the Lord has called you to make a difference. You know the Lord wants you to be involved in ministry, to do something. But you keep looking at yourself and saying, I'm not qualified to do that. You know, other people, uh, they they do it better than I do, and I don't think that I can really get involved. Or, 
you know, my past, if you, if you knew everything I had done, you, you wouldn't want me involved at all. It's just too much there. And, you know, uh, or I actually do want to do something, but when I ask other people to help me, nobody ever wants to help me. Well, then you have to do it yourself. Because if the Lord is in it, the Lord will make it happen. He's the God of the impossible. And sometimes our faith is shown little faith because we're just angry. We're upset with life. God hasn't answered our prayers. We've gone in whatever direction that we're going in, and it seems God's been unfair. Something happened, and somebody did something to you. You're offended at somebody, or you're mad at God, or whatever the situation is. You'd rather nurse that hurt and offense than believe that God can use you to do the impossible. See, he's calling his people to make a difference. And mustard seed faith knows that the church of Jesus Christ can make a difference if we have the faith to believe it can happen. We have a whole world around us that is dying. There's a heroin epidemic in this area right now that's almost greater than it's ever been. How many people have you helped in that situation? Or do you even know that it exists? Because to be involved is to understand where people are and to know that if you will get involved in their lives, you will see the impossible happen. You will see the Lord set them free. That he can still deliver from addiction in ways that he always has if we believe it will happen and allow him to use us through the Holy Spirit to make it happen. We think about people caught up in human trafficking that we talk about today. Say, well, I don't know how I can make a difference there. You can make a difference with one person, you've made a difference. You freed one person, that's great. That's more than you're doing right now. Because when God is in it, he'll open the doors. He'll do the impossible. And it looks like it's an area that you couldn't possibly stop because it's global, it's everywhere. But mustard seed faith knows the Lord can break the power of sin. And he can change what's an impossible situation if his people will believe that it can change and get involved in making the change happen. Teaching the truth to the next generation. Knowing that they are being taught systematically the truths against Christ. Will you get involved in making them aware of the biblical truth that they need to know to make decisions and have a blessed life? Can we educate them in a way that teaches them truth instead of teaching them the lie from the time they're a little child? Can we believe that new converts can come in and learn the word of God and that if we teach them, their life can take a whole different direction and the impossible can happen. He can heal past relationships He can restore what has been taken away. He can make a difference in the lives of people. He can restore marriages. He can bring back children that have strayed. He can make a difference in your neighborhood. He can make a difference in your community if you believe and have the faith to know that he's the God of the impossible. See, mustard seed faith begins with people wanting all that the Lord has for them. That's the way it was when this church was founded. People came wanting to know 
what the Lord wanted them to do. They had a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They had a desire to be used by God. They wanted to be in the prayer meetings. They wanted to be in worship services. They wanted to be in God's presence. And so the impossible began to happen because they were dedicated to the God that they served and they knew that that God could do the impossible. They weren't just people who came and sat in church on Sunday morning sang a few songs, prayed a few prayers, and then went out and lived the way they wanted to the rest of the week. These were people dedicated to what the Lord wanted them to do to make a difference in this world. And if we want to be people that can make a difference in our generation and our world, then we have to begin to understand our whole life has to be dedicated to Christ. And he can use us to do the impossible if we will allow him to do it. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people dedicated to God. We need to be people who want to see others filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, changed, delivered, healed. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Is that the kind of church you want to be a part of? Do you want mustard seed faith and believe the impossible could happen? If you do, I'm going to invite you to stand and let's just all come down to the altar and begin to say, Lord, I want, to use, I want you to use me in a way that you've never used me before. I want to be part of doing the impossible. I want to be part of what you've got for this generation. And I know that means I need a new dedication. I need a new belief. I need to believe in the impossible. Let's come. Come all the way up. Each generation faces its own particular problems. And we know the generation we are in today has some unique and different problems. But the church is always able to rise to the task. And we can do the impossible. look at our country, you can look at the world around us, say it's falling apart, it's not what it used to be, you can wish you were in the past or whatever it is, or you can say, the darker it gets, the greater the light shines, and this is our opportunity to begin to shine, this church isn't over yet, we are just beginning, I told you a year ago, we're just coming into a new season. And this new season, you're going to see the impossible begin to happen. You don't want to miss it. Start to step out in faith. You may be little like a mustard seed. You may not have a lot of ability. You may think that you're the smallest in the church, ability-wise then you are the mustard seed. Because the Lord wants to show it's not your ability, it's His ability. He's the one. So tell someone about Jesus Christ this week. Bring them back next week. Tell them the Lord is moving. If they're in an impossible situation, 
tell them you know where they can find help. You know where deliverance is possible. You know where healing is possible. You know where salvation is possible. You know where life can be different. And take that message to a world that needs to hear it. Because over the next few weeks and months and years, as we face the challenges of our generation, we have the truth. And that truth endures to every generation if we believe in the impossible. Father, I thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the history we have and your faithfulness for so many generations. But Lord, we know you will continue to be faithful in the future because you're not finished with us yet. And so, Lord, we believe in the impossible. We believe in this church being an influence, to being filled, to having every seat filled. We believe in the impossible. Even though it's been predicted so many times, it cannot happen. We know when you're in it, it will happen. And, Lord, we have that faith, and we put our faith in you and not in ourselves. Open up our eyes to see the harvest field. Help us to speak out when we see a need and help us meet that need in whatever way we can. We thank you that the most impossible thing you ever did was to save each and every one of us. We didn't deserve it, but you did it anyway. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that you have called us here and made together as the church of Jesus Christ we become the people that you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray.